This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today. Welcome back to another episode of the Sober Life hey, Audio hey, Experience. Hey. This is your co-host Brian Amaro and Roman Brawley in the house. We're chilling today in beautiful San Diego. Yes, we is. And uh, just like our you know typical shows, we bring in these awesome guests. What? And we've got a, we got another awesome guest today, Roman. Yes, we do. We've got Miss Lee coming to us from Vancouver. Lee, are what, you there? What? I am. I am. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah. What up, girl? Welcome to the show. It's good to have you on. I know you just celebrated a big milestone in recovery. I did, yes. I just took 10 years. What the hell? Congratulations. How the fuck is that even possible? How is Double that even digit. possible? <laughs> yeah, pretty, I'm pretty stoked on that, yeah. Word, word. Yeah. Well, uh, we'd like to kick the show off with a couple of... Uh, very interesting questions, and then let's get into your backstory and uh, tell us about what you're up to. So, Roman, you okay. want to go on with question number one? Yes, question number one. What is your vision? Yeah, so I've heard some of your podcasts before, and I, what is your vision? And everyone always asks, what do you mean? And I think my vision, uh, to sort of paint a picture, is fuck what they think. Hey, <laughs> yeah. there you go. That is that is my vision. So I am kind of, you know, a, a weirdo. I'm goofy. I, uh, you know, I, I really sort of embrace my sexuality. I think dick jokes are really funny. Yeah. And a lot of people... You and Roman will get along great. Relate, yeah, you. a lot of people can sort of, like, relate to that. And, and you know, I think they're just afraid to sort of put that out there in fear of, like, judgment or criticism. And I just sort of embrace it and say, fuck what they think. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck Check on. it out. Let's yeah. get lit today, yo. Love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that leads to question number two. So after fuck what they think. What do you love? What do you I love? I love, yeah. I love having a good time. I'm all about That's, having fun, being like funny. It. Yeah. I, you know, life is, there's so many opportunities to be serious, but, you know, just take, take the, the, the lighter road as often as I can. Yeah. No, totally. I got That's, it. Uh, I got it. You can you can hear it in your voice, right? It's like if if yeah. all I heard was your voice, I'd be like, you know what? This girl, she likes to have a good time, and she I probably do. partied her ass off, didn't she? You definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> I did before, and I do now for sure. It's just it's just different way of doing it, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. One hundred percent. Well, let's jump into question number three, and since you already know it. What is one book that has greatly impacted or shaped your life? I know. I know. And this is going to be such a cliche answer, but it's got to be the the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Wait, what's has, that? Has sha- <laughs> He's <laughs> fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> the big and I think, book. You know, later on in my recovery, I think another one that's been super impactful is actually going through the, the book for Al-Anon. Mm. Which yeah. Stems off of the 12 steps of, of AA, what we learn, 
Uh, and then just sort of getting a different, you know, it just took me to the next level of freedom. Yeah. Going through the Al-Anon all the alcoholics. The yeah. little book of alcoholics. And yeah. The alcoholics are all closet Al-Anons, I think. <laughs> well, it yeah, it, just, it allowed me to really, yeah. Yeah. Let go of, you know, any control or, or trying to. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think it was impactful for sure. I feel it. Thank you, Lee. So let's get into your backstory. Tell us about you. Like, where you from? Like, started using and drinking. Like, yeah. it wasn't just alcohol and marijuana, it sounds like. What, uh, give, us, <laughs> give us a little context for you. Yeah, I live on the west coast of Canada, Vancouver. Shout west out. Coast, west coast. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shout out west coast. I'm originally, yes. I'm originally from uh, back east. So I'm, I'm from Ontario, which is pretty close to, like, Michigan, yeah. back east, for all you Americans. Love yeah, it. yeah. Um, Love Ontario. <laughs> I have been sober, clean and sober for 10 years. I started, you know, um, drinking and using, I think, like, a lot of people when they were younger. You yeah. know, it was just sort of like, that's what everyone did. Well, like, did someone, teenager. like, smoke you out? Or did you, like, Pick run into the liquor beer. cabinet? or? I think I've always been an alcoholic at heart, you know. Growing up as, as little kids, we had to do the beer run for our parents, like run right. to the fridge and grab a beer. But if you did that, you got a sip yeah. of the beer. Yeah. So I was always first in line to go do the beer run, you know, like gatherings and holidays <laughs> and stuff. And I, uh, I just, it was, you know, what teenagers did. It was just, you know, go get uh, liquored up in a bush somewhere or behind, yeah. you know, uh, the the outlet malls and and the, it was just it was socially acceptable I think mm-hmm. between our friend group but the the difference that sort of separated me from my friends is that I didn't stop when they did I continued mm. on yeah I myself so were you recognizing a lack of control in your drinking early on or were you just like oh I'm just having a good time were you completely oblivious yeah 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 the latter totally in denial because. Mm. I, I mean, aren't you supposed to get blackout drunk every single time that you drink? Right. Like, isn't isn't that what everyone does? And it, unfortunately, I learned later on that's not what everyone does. Right. 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 So, but I was that person. Yeah. So, what happened? Like, give us the progression. Give us the breakdown. Progression. Yeah, progression is teen years. It was accessible. That's just what everyone did. Um, you know, every sort of job that I had, every industry. I think everyone says, you know, it's heavily influenced by alcohol and drugs and partying well every industry is like that you can find alcohol if you're an alcoholic you can find the drugs <laughs> if you're a drug addict yeah no right? Shit, you will, right you will you will source them out so it just it was always around me to go and you know blow off steam on a friday night and just party and unfortunately you know or fortunately my benders just ended sunday morning by myself mm. so it was a you know a progressive thing every single well, weekend it was benders yeah, and then slowly, when you start to incorporate drugs into it, it for yeah. me, it was I, you know, I couldn't do one without the other. Yep. Uh, and then I was doing it by myself during mm. the week, you know, just to sort of get me through the week. And yeah. um, when did you just, when did you recognize it as being problematic or creating yep. issues in your life? In my early twenties, like what happened? So I'm in. Uh, I don't think there was one pivotal moment other than. I was always alone on a Sunday, still drinking and using by myself. Mm. And, you know, after three days of not sleeping or eating and they're shaking and they're trying to come down, um, you know, and then of course midweek, I wouldn't be able to go. I could go for a couple of days without drinking or using, but then midweek I'd start to do it again just because I couldn't, 
I couldn't deal with life. I couldn't deal with any pain or discomfort or problems at work. It was my only escape to not feel was to get into it. And so I think, I think I knew there was a problem, but I didn't, I didn't know that I couldn't stop on my own. Mm. Yeah, I thought I still had the control to some, quit when I was ready to quit. Yeah, I thought you still had some power, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, I I ran into a friend who had gotten sober, and I think maybe he was like a couple of weeks sober, and I was like, "Oh my god, how did you do that?" <laughs> and he said he went to you know to an NA meeting, and I was like, "Well, damn, maybe I just have a drug problem. <laughs> I should go and try and quit drugs, but drinking's not a problem. Heaven forbid." That well, I should ever be an alcoholic. It's just drugs. I just got a drug. Yeah, exactly. How'd it that did, work out? Yeah, I, it worked out really well. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm kidding because I used to I used to drink before NA meetings. I really didn't think one one was worse than the other. Like I thought alcohol was still fine. So, so you were I tried to person. go to NA for a little while. Yeah, You're like yeah, I'm 30 days clean, y'all. Wild being drunk. <laughs> I I thought you know I got a 30 day um, uh, fob from being clean right. from, from drugs. And I was like, well, I, you know, I was able to stay away for 30 days. That's the longest like time that I'd ever had still drinking, of course. Right. And so I thought I'd, ce- I thought uh. I'd celebrate with using. Did your, did your drinking progress when you put the drugs down? Like, did that get worse? Uh, it was almost, it, it made it work. It made it harder to not, because again, I couldn't do one without the other. Mm. And it was, I'd gone back to drinking and using. So I'd gone to NA for a little bit and I thought, you know what? I, I think I'm okay. I'm not that bad. I don't, I don't need to do that. So it was, um, I moved across the country. So I moved from the East coast to the West coast. And I thought I will not find drugs or a liquor store on the West coast. And I will be, I will be fine <laughs> if I just geographically move and I'm not the problem. The great and delusions. So I, I did. Yeah. I lasted for, for a little while and I, I maybe three weeks, meaning a little while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I just, I went really hard for about a year and it was, um, uh, right before I got fired from, from a job, I, I quit. Mm. So of course I, I still had my ego intact, right? right I so couldn't yeah, get fired from a job. Oh, okay. Okay. I got it. Quit my job, my job. You quit right? fired. You know, when your life, yeah, my life is unmanageable, but of course I didn't see it as unmanageable. Uh, I, I yeah, still tried it's to their control fault. a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. If only they did and, what you wanted them to do. Right. Well, they didn't support me enough in the job. They didn't give me enough training in the job. It was, yeah, it was everyone else. It Damn wasn't them. Me. So it was, um, it was after a long bender that I called my dad and I, I told my dad, they knew that I had drugs, uh, and drinking in, in my history or my, you know, my life. Right. And I said to him, I'm, I'm drinking again. He said, well, that's not good. And I said, I'm <laughs> using again. He said, well, that's really not good. And I think he was waiting for that call because he had the number to our AA central office oh, ready no to go. He was like, yo, here you go. He's like, yes. Here's the number. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's, She's ready. He's waiting for the call. Is, so I did. did. I called. Was he in, in the program or was he just, you know, he's not informed. I have alcoholics on, I, yeah, I have alcoholics on both sides of my family, mom and dad. And you know, it skipped a generation there. They both, neither one of them have a, you know, any substance abuse issues. It's, it's me. It's uh, you okay. know, I, I come from a, all intent and purpose, you know, really normal upbringing. My parents are still happily married after, you know, 35 years, which is not super common anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I get along really well with both of my parents, more my dad. I have a really tight relationship with. So, okay. I mean, I didn't have any real trauma growing up. And so I didn't really relate to anyone who, 
who had that experience, so I didn't think I was that bad. I didn't, right. you know, I, I couldn't recognize that it was, I just, I thought it was a social thing. I, I thought maybe I didn't, con- couldn't control it enough. Uh, I, I tried so many different things on my own to, to quit that just never really stuck. And mm-hmm. so I'd had that, you know, little bit of experience with um, uh, the NA that my dad said, why don't you try AA? If you don't drink alcohol, you don't use drugs. And so it was like a light bulb had gone off. Like I never really considered that. Maybe I should stop drinking. Mm-hmm. And then I won't use drugs. Mm. Yeah. So it was pretty novel yeah, idea. It, <laughs> but it just never occurred to me. And it's I'm making this sound so simple that I got to this point, but it was it was pretty rough leading up to it, you know. Um, well, of course, right? Different. We we don't come in here on winning streaks, like ex- super right. excited and doing well in life. That's not that's not often like the precursor to getting sober. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think I was just at a point where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And mm-hmm. I just, I was, I was ready to maybe take a look at, at what was wrong with me, mm-hmm. you know, or, or how, you how, became I, willing. how I could maybe. Yeah. 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 Nice. Absolutely. Well, there, was, shit. there was a glimpse, a window that my dad took that opportunity and gave me the number. And so I checked out a couple of AA meetings and. You know, my story is maybe um, an easy path in recovery. I, I went to a few meetings and they didn't stick around for very long, but I, I had a really tough bender. I went out and I thought, well, a three-day bender. And I immediately went right back to the rooms of AA and the women in there just wrapped their arms around me and didn't let me go. Nice. And mm. haven't, let me, haven't let me go for 10 years. God Damn. bless those women. And now... You're one of those women. <laughs> and now I'm, now I get to, you know, I get to be a part of, of yes. giving back and, and loving someone else until they can love themselves. Nice. So yeah. give us in like your quick elevator pitch, what your 10 years in recovery has been like. The first five years were probably the most uncomfortable five years of my life. Mm, okay. <laughs> really? So you go in on this sort of pink cloud because you're starting, the fog is starting to clear, but then all of a sudden you now have to feel feelings that I've been numbing for years Mm. that I've never had to experience. It was almost like I, I was a 15 year old child again when I got sober. I, you know, I couldn't, I, I couldn't cope with, you know, daily tasks of doing laundry, paying my bills, cooking for myself, you know, getting up and showering and just normal things that people deal with on a, on a regular basis were so overwhelming to me. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I found, I found it really hard to live the first year. The, the only thing that I can do in my first year was sleep, go to a meeting, come home, take a nap, get up, go to a night meeting and sleep in between noon meetings and night meetings. And that was my easiest way to numb the pain that I was feeling was taking naps and going to AA meetings. And that was the only way that I survived that first year. Well, shit, it worked Damn. for you, right? There's no wrong way yeah. in getting sober. So I yeah. imagine at some point the steps came came to you and started to make a little bit of a difference in the quality of your they, life. They did, absolutely. But you still, and even today I feel, you know, vulnerability doesn't feel like a comfortable emotion to feel for me, you know? Um, so when I say the first five years were uncomfortable and it's, you know, I still experience things today that, you know, Oh God, I wish I didn't have to feel this, but the only way to get through any of this is directly through it. Right. You can't, can't skip the hard stuff. Nah, right. And so I think, I think that, 
you know, it's just, it's been years of, you know, really sort of walking through the fear and having the support of, of, you know, other strong, sober women in my life that have been able to hold my hand through that. So it's, it's taken me so long to get to that place where I really feel comfortable in my own skin. It was five years was kind of that milestone where I, you know, shit started to make sense to me, you know, like you mean, there's actually a solution in the, in the big book. Like there's actually a, a way of living in the, in the 12 steps Yeah, that I just kind of, it, it just started to really make sense for me. Whereas it, it wasn't connecting mm. before that, the first, the first few years. And again, everyone's different. People can sort of preach the AA way and the 12 steps in the past. But for me, it just, it took a lot longer for me to really get. And, mm. uh, you know, was it, was it like that for either of you in your recovery? Once I, I know Brian, you're six yeah. years Roman. How long ago? <clears throat> yeah. So basically, yeah. I mean, every, everything that you're saying is basically on par. My, my question is like, aside from 12 step AA, NA, the combo of that, like what other things did you do? Cause I know for me, like, and Brian, we, we jumped into, to AA heavy and and that made all the difference but it was also some of the other things that we did outside of that i mean you know for me i was just so like i was so dead like if if the steps weren't gonna work i was gonna die yeah like straight up like that's where that's where i was at so like really going through the the steps for me deeply and profoundly i mean it was a pretty it was a game changer yeah. Kind of that first time through, and as I got into amends, um, like my life really transformed. And since yeah. then, it's been a lot about you know maintenance, and it's kind of like a garden, like the way that I think about it. Like you don't you you maintain a garden so it grows. You know, like it's mm-hmm. not that the maintenance causes growth. It's it's like you pull the weeds, you put the water in, you get the sunlight, the fertil- fertilizer. And then, like, life naturally causes growth. It causes expansion, you know? And that's kind of been the theme for me, personally. And and I would even mm-hmm. say with you, like, like, tell us about, like, what's this Sailor Mouth stuff about? <laughs> what's going on there? I'll, I'll touch really quickly on the other things that I did for my recovery, which is therapy. 12 steps are only going to get you so far in terms of looking at your behavior. But there are some deep, deep stuff that, like... I needed to look at and, and work through that AA wasn't going to provide for me, but a therapist was. Yeah. So I'm huge on, you know, looking at, at other ways of, of, and I still see a therapist today. Yeah. So, I mean, and Ro- Rome and I are, are huge proponents of that. Um, I mean, I don't know if you know or not, but we do own a treatment center. It's, a, it's an yeah. outpatient treatment center. And our main emphasis in our program is focused on emotional intelligence. I think that the yeah. circle and triangle and AA co- covers the mind, body, and spirit pretty well. But to mm-hmm. me, and I think, you know, Bill even wrote a whole essay about emotional sobriety. And I think that especially in this day and age, that's something that uh, that doesn't always get addressed right away. Yeah. And there's some value in having some emotional sobriety, some emotional serenity and some peace there. And yeah. being able to get weird and wild and, like, let so, it rip so, and, like, date and have fun so and connect so that's, and go there. That's what I want to talk about, right? Like, yeah, obviously the 12 steps did an, an enormous amount for me. Stuff that, like, couldn't be done anywhere else. And I had done years and years of therapy on PTSD and all kinds of other stuff. But for me, it was 
I already knew that I was powerless coming into Alcoholics Anonymous, but I believed I was powerless over every aspect of everything. I just thought I was a weak person and just sucked at life. And so really for me, it was coming into 12 steps, coming into doing the work that I found that I actually do have some power and that Mm -hmm. I have a purpose and a mission in life and to jump into that power and to date and have fun and go to parties and do all this wild, crazy shit that I love to do because that's the that's the stuff I love to do. I was addicted to the drugs and alcohol as much as the lifestyle that went along with it, right? So yeah. when when I came to face the reality that I had to stop drinking and doing the drugs, that also for me meant like leave that lifestyle behind and that's why I couldn't get sober and I tried and I tried and I tried and I tried to get sober and I kept going back because I, I missed the life, right? right. Well, oh, what I oh learned God, is I that what I learned is that I could have that same life, but on a better scale, a more positive scale, being mm-hmm. sober. Mm-hmm. And once I found that out, that was like the key that opened the door for me. And yeah. I think so many people struggle with that in particular, especially younger generation of yeah. people trying to get sober. They can't detach the two. And I mean, I don't, I don't. You know, I went to raves quite often in the last few years, and I've realized maybe now, getting a little bit older, I I don't like being at all-age raves. You know, right. when people are just so out of their tree, I like going in small doses. I pick my, my times that I go. I go with people that are, you know, awesome to be with that, you know, have my back in, in any situation. I, I look at things a little bit differently. Like, I don't go to the nightclub every Friday night to, to party because eventually I'm going to want to indulge in what's happening there. Right. But I, I go... I go and have fun, uh, right? In it's, a different this, way. this is this is what we do, right? And it's yeah. like it's the main reason that Brian and I came and started this podcast and started our treatment center and have guests like you on is to to let the world know. I mean, for those that are sick and suffering, and you're like, well, like I would rather die than get sober. Listen, you can have an awesome, dope, cool life. And, and for the most part, you can do all the same shit you were doing when you were drinking and using without having to drink yeah. and use. Yeah. And your life will infinitely get better. Yeah. Like, it's like so it'll much, get better. It's, oh, God. Yeah. It's so much more fun when you're sober right. and you remember it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then yeah. the other part for me was, like I said, like the power. Yeah. Right. Learning that we do have power. Right. It's obviously not over alcohol and drugs yeah. <laughs> and for the and for a bunch of other shit that's out of my control. But right. the stuff that is in my control, I have power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like yeah. I get to exercise that mm-hmm. and feel good about myself. <laughs> and be you important. Have, yeah. 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 Good. So like we're 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 just we're all speaking the same language. It's it sounds like we have a lot in common and. I just want to say thank you again and acknowledge you for coming on the podcast and, and just sharing your story and, and sharing a little bit about yourself. Yeah. You know, we see yeah. you out there and, and, you know, Brian and I really believe that there, we, there, there needs to be a movement, right? There's a war, there's a battle on addiction and addicts, there's stigmas out there, there's stereotypes. And like, we have to come together, like come together. And, I feel like a, there's such a stigma and, you know, People just don't give any sort of empathy towards someone with an addiction or they see someone living on the street and they don't see it as the same correlation to someone who has a disease that's 
mm-hmm. untreatable. You know, mm-hmm. uh, again, everyone uses cancer as an example, but it's, we give empathy to someone who has uh, that kind of disease that's versus someone who has an addiction. It's, it's uh, so, it's an, a, a pandemic right now. A hundred percent. And what it's going to take is a culture shift. And for a culture shift to happen, there has to be influence. And that's what we're about is we're about influencing a culture, a generation, multiple generations and giving some education and providing context to people that like, look, this is this is an illness. These people need support and help. It's not something to look down upon, but like under the right circumstances and under the the correct direction, these people can be lifted up. Addicts are in a very effective people at at getting things done, at accomplishment at achieving, at being vulnerable, at being emotional. At being leaders. At being leaders. World changers. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. We, we, we get to play life at a higher level today. And it sounds yeah. like that's what we're all doing. Yeah. It really yeah. does. So, you know, before we wrap it up, I want to I wanna plug, like, Sailor Mouth. Yes. <laughs> and I want to. So is... Yeah. So give yeah, us. Yeah, go give ahead. Us... This is. It's a brand that I thought, you know what, I might as well take the opportunity and try it and see if I can grow sort of my my morals and my values, which is fuck what they think. Uh, what be they weird think. and embrace your yourself. If you drop F-bombs, if you want to wear that, you know, bikini, if you want to, whatever it is that makes you feel badass, go out and do it. Yeah. And, and fuck what anyone else thinks and walk through the fear of criticism and judgment it doesn't matter what you do. There's always going to be someone out there that has something negative to say. Haters. If you saw us right now, you'd be like, yeah, they're down with it. I literally got yeah. on, my, on my finger. It's, yeah, I got tattooed. Get weird. Yeah. It says get weird. And yeah. that's what we do. Fuck yeah, what they do. think. Love it. Sailor mouth. Awesome. I dig yeah. it, girl. So tell me, yeah. before we wrap it up, what would you say to someone who's suffering from addiction right now? They're sick. They're suffering. What would you say? They're listening. They are. But there's hope. Mm. There's still hope. Mm. Yeah. I did. I didn't think there was hope. I thought I was hopeless. I thought it would Mm. be better if I just went away and wasn't a burden to my family anymore. Mm. Yeah. Y'all hear that? Someone loves. Yeah. Someone loves you. Fucking a. You're 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 right. Someone loves you. You are loved. There is hope. You matter, you're important, you have value, you're worthy. And, like, once you get over this shit, your life is fucking rad. Yeah. Yeah. So get over yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Reach out for help. <laughs> don't get, don't give up. It's, don't yeah. give up. Yeah, and I think it's a matter of us going out and reaching out. And I know that AA preaches, you know, attraction rather than promotion. But I think we, as, as addicts we, we are in, the in recovery, yeah. we need to go out and say, come on. Come with me. Come to a, come to a meeting. Come yeah. to my recovery center. Just, come check out my outpatient. Just yeah. see if it works for you. Rather than waiting for someone to make that move, just keep putting out our hand and saying, come on with me. Just come check it out. Because it was yeah. so fucking hard for me to pick up the phone and get to that meeting. Yeah, uh, you know, if I... Like yeah. This. Yeah. <laughs> just sure. promote attraction. <laughs> there you well, go. It, it, was, it was written in the, what, the, the 1940s or something when, there you know, is. you could yeah. possibly lose your job for for outing yourself as an alcoholic well yeah the fuck that you know that's times have changed i think the more we talk about it and let people who don't have addiction understand that it's a real problem and maybe shed some light on on that aspect and people who are suffering like there's hope 
Like you can't have a life outside yes. of your, your addiction. Preach it, girl. <laughs> Two parts. I'm so proud of you guys for, for putting this together and doing what you're doing. Hell yeah. There needs yeah. to be more people like you guys. Yo, where can people find you, Lee? Thank you, yeah, by the way. Yeah, yourself. I receive. Thank receive you. That. Yeah. Where can, where can everyone find you? Oh, I just on my social media, I guess. And, you know, if anyone's struggling with, with a, you know, addiction or, or drinking, shoot me a DM. I'm always down to chat. What's your personal phone number and address? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what's, your, what's your Instagram handle so people can find you? It's unusually. So it's unusual underscore Lee, L-E-I-G-H. There we oh, go. The long way. Boom. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been an incredible episode. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Sober Sober Life Life Audio Experience, Experience, motherfucker. Mm